Thank you for tuning in to This Week Explained, the intelligence-based geopolitical podcast that keeps you informed about the world around you. We are grateful for your support and appreciate you being a part of our community of informed listeners. We would love for you to share This Week Explained with your friends, family, and colleagues. Together, we can make a difference by sharing knowledge and fostering meaningful conversations. So, what are you waiting for? Help us grow our community by sharing This Week Explained with your loved ones. You are now listening to This Week Explained. Welcome to This Week Explained, the independent geopolitical podcast that tackles all the major global events. We're glad that you're here as we bring you all the insights and analysis on what's happening around the world. As always, I'm Tiana with Kervin as my co-host. Together, we'll help you understand the complexities of our dynamic, ever-changing world. Let's get to what's on the agenda this week, Kervin. All right. Obviously, Russia, Ukraine, but uh, there's a bit of an odd news story, I would say, as Prigozhin's will, if any Prigozhin's will was released, and it said that his son might be taking over the Wagner Group. But that's his will, and do you really think <laughs> that Putin is going to honor that? I doubt that seriously. The man who, like, we're pretty sure, you know, killed his father. Like, yeah. Why would he... Okay. Sorry, we'll how many, how many movies have we seen where that is the whole basis? You killed my father, and I'm coming after you. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I don't think he's going to be taking up the mantle, at least not without a fight on his hands. That's true. We're going to talk about the tensions rising in Kosovo. So another one of the conflicts we were looking at coming into 2023 could be on the cusp of a new conflict there. I want to talk about the recent elections in Slovakia, which kind of elected a pro, what I would consider a pro-Russian candidate. So you can only imagine what kind of geopolitical impacts that's going to have. We'll move over to to Africa because Mali is seeing a resurgence in insurgency, in terrorism in their country. I wonder why that might be, and we'll get Mm -hmm. into that. We'll then talk about how Russia is recruiting Cubans to fight in the war in Ukraine, how they're being successful in doing that and why that's important. And then finally, you know, we've, we talked about this either last week or the week before, but the China, the, the Sino Russian relations are not in good standing right now. And they had yet another problem within their relations. And, and we'll get into, is it a big deal? Can they move past it? Or are we seeing fractures within that alliance? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> My bulky blender was such a pain to use, I ended up hardly ever using it at all. But the Blendjet 2 Portable Blender makes blending so easy and convenient. I- For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, well, let's get right into it. What is the latest coming out of Ukraine? Yeah, according to, to recent reports, Western military ammunition stockpiles are running low and production needs to be increased to help Ukrainian fighters. Ukrainian forces fired cluster munitions at several villages in Russia's southern region of Bryansk as part of their counteroffensive. But speaking of the counteroffensive, one of Ukraine's top generals has said that his forces are continuing to advance south and they are making that advancement. Well, I saw that Prigozhin's son, Pavel, might be taking over as leader of the Wagner Group. Is this true? And what exactly does that mean for the future of the infamous mercenary group? Yeah, definitely very interesting turn of events there. Uh, Like I said, it was brought to light after an image of the will started to circulate on those pro-Russian telegram channels. Now, some within the Prigozhin family feel as though the will's not legal. Uh, They think it's one of those where they kind of skirted legality. To, mm. to make the will so that Pavel can take over. So the family's fighting or vowing to fight against Pavel's rights to all of his father's fortunes. So his own family is saying, no, this is not a valid will? <laughs> yes, and, and as you and I both know, this happens uh, quite yeah, frequently. Yeah, it's when the death of a loved one comes along, you kind of see the you See people's true colors. People. You really do. Yeah, so... And we're talking about all of Prigozhin's fortunes, not just the Wagner Group. It's the houses, it's money. So he was doing everything and everybody else in the family was just being left out in the cold? As as far as what we know right now, it would all go to Pavel. But also, like I said, who's what's stopping Putin from, like he's basically seized the Wagner Group, so what's stopping him from seizing everything else? Because in his mind's eye... Obviously, Prigozhin is a traitor, isn't he? Yeah, yeah definitely. So, I mean, he definitely. I mean, come on. We if we haven't confirmed it yet, but we all know that it wasn't just a malfunction on the aircraft that well, made it explode and killed Yevgeny Prigozhin. If it was, if it was, the timing is really suspicious. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. So, I mean, I mean, so we, we know come, you can't come out here and flat out say yes. This is exactly what happened. It is still us speculating on things, but context clues, guys. We all learned yeah. this in school. We know. Yeah, we we get it. And so, if if Pavel's listening, and I doubt, but if you are listening, don't get on a plane. But don't get it. Don't go to Russia. <laughs> I, I would say don't even go to Russia. Uh, I don't even know how he would take ownership of all of these things without going through you know without somebody stepping in from the russian government it just doesn't i don't know yeah and so this this secession suggests the continuation of the prokochen family's influence in russia so if he were to take over that means so he's not mad at the whole family it's not you know the father kind of thing yeah and and so I do believe, not knowing much about Pavel because he's kind of stayed out of of the public eye and looking at some things that he posts and pictures of him, he is really, if you think of that kid that has always been rich and has always been given things, he's really got that same sort of personality. Entitlement. 
the entitled, yeah, very much entitled. And so the rest of the family, if it's true that Pavel's going to take over the entire fortune, the rest of the family's obviously going to be pissed about that. Yeah. And so they're going to have to come to some sort of agreement. But the fact that that he would get all of this just shows that they still have this influence in Russia, just for what you said, because Putin could just take all of that and right. keep it, and he hasn't. But if Pavel does take over, take over Wagner, uh, and he returns to returns that group to a Kremlin-aligned force, like we saw before the attempted coup, right? it's definitely going to further destabilize the region and it's definitely, Russia's already got strained relations with the West. This is definitely going to strain Russia relations with Western countries even more so. Do you know if he had any more children besides Pavel? You know, it's a great question. And, and I don't I don't know that. And I didn't even okay. Okay. think I'm about it. If you knew. Well, does it, it does it appear as though he will take orders from Putin? Well, right now... He's in negotiations with the Russian National Guard, the Rosgardia, trying to return the Wagner Group to combat operations in Ukraine. So this indicates a return to special operations tactics against Ukraine, which to me says he is going to take orders from Putin. Now, the, the last time we discussed Wagner forces within Ukraine, and that was before the short-lived attempted coup, they were heavily involved in fighting, especially against the counteroffensive in Bakhmut that the that Ukraine was doing. But they're also been accused of human rights abuses in multiple countries, Syria, Libya, also in, in Ukraine. So that's gonna be concerning because it, it really feels like Pavel is is going to keep the same leadership his father had and and, and Pavel's leadership may perpetuate more concerns. And then exacerbate Russia's international image. Well, while NATO stockpiles are depleting and the Bogostian family appears to be staying in power, another conflict that made your top five to watch in 2023 may be brewing. What can you tell us about clashes between Kosovo and Serbia? I know we've talked about them a couple times this year, including yep. last week. So what's yeah, so going we, on now? <laughs> we, we had... 30 heavily armed Serbs stormed the northern Kosovo village of Banska, and that resulted in the death of uh, one Kosovo policeman and three, so three of the Serbian attackers were killed as well. And um, it's this incident that is raising concerns about tensions between Serbia and Kosovo. And both sides are, as always, as geopolitics works, they're blaming each other for the attack. So what are the implications of this incident? For the region and you know beyond that yeah i mean, I mean it remains very complex uh kosovo declared independence from serbia in 2008 but serbia doesn't recognize that independence uh, the eu and the u.s so the european union and the united states have been working for over a decade to encourage serbia and kosovo to resolve their difference and normalize relations but this kind of stuff has happened and it continues to happen in this incident raised questions about who is truly in control in the area and what are their true motivations behind these attacks. Well, given that it is a complex situation, do you have any predictions on whether or not things may escalate? Well, it's difficult to say uh, You know, at this point. I did make it one of my 
2023 conflicts to watch because I do think that the current state of affairs in in that region leads to an armed conflict. Um, Serbia has deployed more forces near the Kosovo border. That prompted calls for de-escalation from the United States. NATO's increasing its peacekeeping presence in northern Kosovo due to that escalation. The UK also announced that it's going to send troops to support NATO's peacekeepers on the ground. So efforts by the EU and, and the US broker lasting peace between Kosovo and Serbia are ongoing, but they continue to face ongoing challenges, primarily related to the status of northern Kosovo. And that's where a lot of Serbian people, it's a Serbian majority, and that's where they reside. Well, what, excuse me, what would all of this mean for NATO in the West? So Serbia's deployment of military equipment from both Russia and China has raised concerns about the country's intentions. So the White House National Security Council spokesperson, that's John Kirby, confirmed a significant Serbian military deployment of tanks and artillery along the border. He described it as a very destabilizing development. This could once again pull NATO and the U.S. into this proxy-type war with Russia. That's because we see a pro-Russian Serbian force attacking Kosovo. So it's, it could lead to more sanctions against Russia. We see how well that's going. <laughs> and then you would probably see the NATO and the U.S. support Kosovo with military equipment, much like we're seeing with Ukraine. Now, Co- Kosovo's prime minister, Albin Kurti, expressed the need for NATO's presence. He wants NATO there. And that's scary for Russia. That's what they've been outspoken about through all of this. But the Kosovo prime minister has said that Serbia's recent strengthening of military capacities along the border has him concerned. Uh, He emphasized Kosovo's commitment to its own independence. We talk about sovereignty a lot. That's something that I don't think Russia and China care too much about. Yeah, they don't care. (laughs) Obviously. And and so Kosovo is looking at their own sovereignty, sovereignty, and Belgrade in, in Serbia and Moscow and Russia have refused to recognize Kosovo since they declared their independence in 2008. Well, there is a lot going on in Europe this week. Like, for instance, you know, 2024 is going to be a huge year globally because many nations are holding their very contentious elections. Yep. But 2023 has seen some surprising outcomes as well. This time it's Slovakia, which elected a pro-Russian party to lead its parliament. So what can you tell us about the winner and what that could mean for the balance of power in Europe? So it's Robert Fico, who's the he's this pro-Russian populist, and he leads the party that won the parliamentary elections in Slovakia. His campaign used the migrant crisis that's going on in Europe and the need to stop support for Ukraine as a platform to win this election. Think about that uh, in terms of like how we view U.S. politics. And it's sort of the same discussion, right? Migrant crisis, support for Ukraine. Those are the two big things globally. And so this this has raised concerns about Slovakia's future stance on Russia. And then if they do go to a more pro-Russian, how does that change their relations with the West? Well, with Slovakia being a NATO country, what 
does that mean for the organization as well as the current state of Ukrainian support? So the victory could pose a challenge to NATO and European unity on Ukraine. The the rhetoric that's happening in Slovakia stands in stark contrast to the policies of the outgoing parliament in Slovakia. They've already sent $700 million in direct military aid to Ukraine over the first 19 months of the war. And that's a small country. Yeah. So that that's a lot of money. Yeah, I wish I I wish I would have when doing the research looked at, you know, kind of compared to GDP or per capita right. who was actually sending the most per capita, but for them that's that's a ton of money that's for a, a smaller ton economy. Of money. Right. Now, Fico has vowed to withdraw Slovakia's military support for Ukraine and Russia's war. Uh, if his party achieves a majority in Slovakia, so right now they're, I think, at uh, between 24 and 28 percent, but it's above the next one, which was at uh, 18 to 20 percent. So they're getting a majority. And if he can get his faction above 50 percent within parliament, there's there's going to be a lot that they can do to with withhold that funding to Ukraine. Now, we kind of already saw this disillusionment with the continued support for Ukraine earlier this year as as the war progressed past that one year mark. We kind of talked about that. I think people are getting disillusioned to it. Yeah, war fatigue. Yeah. And in our predictive analysis, it was obvious that we were going to start seeing these fractures in support, especially among those smaller European nations. But it's not just the smaller nations that are questioning further support for Ukraine. Even in our country, the Republican Party is being fractured due to some within its ranks questioning the amount being sent to support Ukraine's mm-hmm. you know, war. Is this due to Russian propaganda effectively influencing the narrative among these countries? Or do you think it's more the fact that these countries are struggling economically and need to reevaluate where their money is going, especially in order to keep their their civilian populations happy who are already struggling. Yep. Yeah. And and I think so many global leaders lose focus of that. And I, I do love that you do that. You bring that focus right back. Hey, we're talking about real people who are struggling financially, physically, emotionally, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. yeah. And it's clear that Russian influence is having an effect on the world stage. The narrative that Russia invaded Ukraine because of NATO is gaining traction. But yep. it, it's I, I am seeing it more now than I did at the beginning of the war. Okay. I okay. think Russia's really making a push to get Western countries. Like they're, they're casting a net, like a yeah. wide net out and trying to see what sticks, like what stays in there. They're like, we're going to blame everybody. <laughs> <laughs> think of it as like a PR representative, right? Who's, okay. who's like marketing or something and you're going to do like three or four things and figure out which one sticks so right. it's like NATO's too close boom Ukraine is filled with Nazis does that stick no that, that didn't stick too well I don't think <laughs> Russia you know Russian sovereignty Ukraine is is actually Russian so we need to to invade it they did all right. the, they just like you said cast out a wide net mm-hmm. see what hits <laughs> and and right now it's I'm what I'm seeing as far as through telegram channels or social media is the the NATO talk is gaining traction. 
well, stop supporting Ukraine because Russia had a right to do it because NATO is is along their border. And like I said, it lacks context because Ukraine wasn't a NATO. They're still not a NATO country. Yeah. They still said they wouldn't ask to be a NATO country if Russia would come to the table and talk a peace deal. Yeah. So if Russia was worried about NATO, they should have attacked NATO directly. That's what Poland was scared of. Yeah. They th- they thought if the rhetoric is true that Russia is scared of NATO because it has nuclear weapons and it is an affront to Russia's sovereignty, they would be attacked. That didn't happen. It would be as if, you know, Mexico Mexico joins BRICS, the U.S. gets upset, and we invade Canada. What? Why? That's how that's how I see it. Now, now Russia is trying to reimagine its invasion story. Right. So, so just like we said, oh, Nazis are there or it's an affront to, to Russian sovereignty. Now they go, well, let's go back to the NATO thing. I think enough people in Western Europe dislike NATO that, that we can yeah. do it. Yeah. But you asked about maybe it's because these countries are struggling economically and Yes, the global economy is trending downward and people are rightfully worried about their finances. But Russia's invasion of Ukraine is affecting our pocketbooks. Even if the U.S. didn't send money to Ukraine and they're not sending the money that you see posted, you know, $8.2 billion or, or whatever. They're sending equipment that cost a certain amount of money to manufacture 10 years ago. And so we put that and then we upsell it. And then we upsell it, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, so that's affecting our pocketbooks. In as an in an individual level, it's affecting you. And many leaders are reevaluating the support being given to Ukraine because they want to help their constituents in their pocketbooks. I think it's more because 2024 is an election year for yeah. so many people and they know that everybody's patience is waning rapidly yep and so many so many areas like they're they're just tired okay for now i think we need to move on to africa as we are already seeing the effects of the french forces leaving the region so let's start with the first thing what is the latest coming out of mali yeah so we kind of saw this coming didn't we we talked about this every time so right now, Islamic, Islamist militants this week imposed a blockade on Timbuktu, cutting off road, river, and air routes to the city. This offensive escalated the jihadist insurgency. insurgency. Oh my gosh, you cannot talk today. You have stumbled over so many words. I know. It's talk a tough slow. one. Slow. Just talk slowly. You don't have to get through it so <laughs> fast. It's not a race. <laughs> I've, I've got it all in my head and I'm trying to regurgitate it. You know how I get. I know, babe, but there's no rush. It's okay. We're going to get through it. There's no, We have nothing waiting for us after we're done recording. Oh, yeah, we do. We got taquitos. Well, no, the, that's not even what I'm talking about. <laughs> not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, just relax. It's okay. All right, Frank Grillo. Here we go. Relax. I see it right here. Still there. Yep, still there. Yeah, so I'm going to calm down a little bit. Okay. Slow it down. Do you want me to re-ask the question so you can remember nope. where you were? Okay. No, I got it. Okay. It's okay. It was in my brain, and now I'm going to slowly regurgitate it. 
See, if that if I would have cut you off like that and started giving you a pep talk, like my response would have just quickly exited the, my brain. I would have to sit here for five minutes to remember what we were talking about. But good for good for you. You're still yeah. sharp. Let's go. Well, just go. for today. I had my my mushroom coffee. You Not a sponsor. That was yeah. So um now remember. Uh-huh. This is what I was gonna trying to get at. Oh yeah. Not mushroom coffee. Right. You first of all you asked what's the latest coming out of Mali, but you really said, you know, we're seeing the effects of French forces leaving the region. And mm-hmm. yes, Mali is relying on Wagner forces and Russian support. So this is a case study in what kind of support works best, right? Right. It's is it, you know, Western counterterrorism campaign that has been there the last decade or is it this Russian influence campaign? Which one which one is the better one? Do you like do is Wagner really big on humanitarian efforts? Do they yeah. actually yeah, the, the opposite? Okay. Well, I just want to I wanted to see if like you know we go in there, we do metal a lot, but we do at least try to offer some sort of humanitarian support. I was just wondering if like the Wagner forces or, you know, the Russian support that they are relying on come in, wipe out whatever the current issue is, and then just leave and they consider that, call it a day. That is that is definitely exactly what's going well, on. More like that. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering if they- So it's a lot if, like- Sorry, it, it's a lot like if you and I talk about China and what they do in Russia, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you just said. Come in, do what they got to do, get out. No monetary, no humanitarian support, nothing. Because it's not really about the people of the country. It's about the control of the whole. Yeah. Okay, well, you kind of, the, let's get back on topic. I keep trying, I keep deviating. You kind of alluded to this, but what are the broader implications of this conflict of, you know, France pulling out there? Yeah, this this resurgence in jihadist insurgency poses a major threat. It's not only to Mali, but also to regional stability. Right. And open a map. Look how close those countries are to Europe. So instability in that region could lead to bleed over. Yeah. How does that happen? Uh, let's talk about the migrant crisis. So when countries like this get overrun with insurgency, you see families that need to leave. They need to get out because they're going to die otherwise. So they go to a place where it's safer and more free and they'll go to Europe. And so that influx, not that I'm saying I'm not saying those people are bad people that move over into Europe. But when you add people thousands and thousands of people at a time and a country doesn't have the ability and the infrastructure to take in that amount of people it affects everybody it's it's bad for the migrants coming across it's bad for the country they're going into so regional stability is huge the the humanitarian crisis is escalating civilians are bearing the brunt of violence isn't that always how it goes that usually is how it goes a very small group of people are benefiting from all of these conflicts very small group of people at the very top of course all of the it trickles down it's like trickle down suffering (laughs) i said trickle down suffrage but that's different trickle down suffrage is good right 
I didn't say suffrage. I said suffering. No, you did. I was thinking. I was about to say trickle down suffrage. Oh, yeah. I was like, that's actually a good thing, right? Good thing. That's good. It used to be yeah. that only the people in power got to vote. Now we trickle it down to the normies like us, like uh, women. But the the withdrawal of UN forces there has created a security back vacuum that we've talked about a lot, uh, and. Those militant groups, as we're seeing in Mali, they're exploiting this. Does this mean that the new security pact in the Western Sahel is already failing? Because that seemed really hopeful. <laughs> yeah, and it's still hopeful. Honestly, it, it's, still, okay. it's still too early to say whether the new security pact is failing or not. It was signed less than a month ago. Right. And, and it remains to be seen how effective it's going to be in addressing the security challenges in the region. If like we talked about, they are doing this for themselves to improve their countries. It's going to be a good thing. If they are doing this to consolidate power mm-hmm. in order to, you know, control, 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 control. the population, thank you, it's going to be bad. We don't know right now. So it's it's going to be a huge test for that security pact. We'll, we'll see how it turns out. We'll talk about it on This Week Explained. Next week on This Week Explained. Well, it might not be next week, but it'll be soon. Anyways, so what can other countries do to help Mali? Yes, several ways other countries can help Mali, but it remains to be seen if they're going to allow for outside forces to engage that renewed insurgency. Right. Right. the ongoing conflict in Mali has created a humanitarian crisis like we talked about. Many people are displaced. They're in need of assistance. So countries start working on plans for financial and material aid to Mali, where the aid is sent directly to those in need, right? Does that ever Don't happen? just throw it to the government or, I mean... Say, you guys can decide how you spend this, but it should be for your people. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody in power... At these nonprofits, I'm about to say, listen, so I'll say it right now. The Red Cross, don't throw money at the Red Cross. They're don't not there to the they're not there to support the people on the ground. They're there to be one of the major nonprofits, CEO making tons, millions of dollars, yeah. and they do the bare minimum. If you're going to support the people, get on the ground, get money, get resources to the, the civilians on the ground. A lot of times, like we said, what happens, You the aid sent to the government, but the government's so corrupt that then it ends up in the hands of the insurgency. So you're really just paying the insurgency. Yeah. it's gonna, That would be devastating to the region, to the civilian population as a whole. If, if the West is allowed back in, it needs to address the root causes mm-hmm. that leads to this increase in insurgency. And, and the conflict... In that region, especially in Mali, is driven by a complex set of factors. Those factors are poverty, hunger, and political instability. Anywhere you have that, you, you're going to have problems. You're going to have an insurgency. Right. If countries want to help, they have to start addressing those root causes. Okay, well, you brought up Russia's possible influence in Mali, but the influence doesn't stop there. There are reports that Russia is recruiting 
Oh my nailed it. (laughs) I just gave you so much crap for not being able to talk. And now my tongue is like firmly stuck to the top of the roof of my mouth. I need more water. (laughs) All right, we're good now. You sure that's water there? Yes, it's water, Kervin. (laughs) I I was like holding up a glass and it's totally black. You can't see the water. (laughs) Trying to show you as proof. Look, it's water. And it's a black cup that you can't see through. All right, so, okay. There are reports that Russia is recruiting, I nailed it that time, Cubans to fight in Ukraine. And according to these reports, Russia is paying Cuban citizens a signing bonus of $2,040, which is more than 100 times the average monthly salary of $17. Do you hear this? Yeah. $17 is the monthly average average. salary in Cuba. And they want them to fight against Ukraine for Mm -hmm. $2,040. But it's just a signing bonus. So I wonder how much they get paid after that. Yeah, it doesn't mean much. In the well, water. it's the the signing bonus plus what you're going to get paid as you know as as a fighter as a freedom fighter. I would I guess is what it was all. And so it's going to be more money that they can send back to their family in Cuba, and do good yeah, things for their family. It's like right? they, it's like Russia finally recognizes that their people are just done as much yeah. as a lot of people are, so they're reaching out. But anyways. The Cuban government has accused Russia of operating a human trafficking network that lures young Cubans to enlist to fight in Ukraine. That doesn't sound good. I like so the what, what you said there, though. Human trafficking network. That is exactly what it is. Seems like that. You yep. take them out of their homeland, bring them somewhere where they don't know anybody. Yep. They definitely the, don't speak the language. Delusions they, of grandeur. Yeah, they lure them with these this promise of money to send back to their family, but you know it's not nearly as much as they probably think. But okay, so what? Yeah, what's what the are, question, Tiana? I'm, I'm getting there, right? <laughs> <laughs> what are the implications of the ongoing conflict in Ukraine in the broader geopolitical landscape? What, like, what is this going to do? Right. So hold on. One more second, though. Yeah. I am glad to hear that Cuba's government is speaking up and recognizes the manipulation tactics that Russia is using in order to get more soldiers. So, yeah, definitely. You know, Cuba, I mean, there are other things we should talk about, but in this instance. <laughs> well, you know how Russia skirts around that? How? Just pay the Cuban government to shut up. Well, have they done that yet? Not yet. Uh but. It's too late. It's already out there. There's already an article out there saying you are trafficking yep. our young men. So pay us money and we'll stop putting it on on the Twitters and the the TikToks. Do people okay. stay TikTok? I don't know. I've never so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh okay. So I gotta backtrack <laughs> to where I'm going. Okay, let, okay. Me, let me Nope. I got so, it. I'm good. Okay, you do okay. Yeah, because I wanted I wanted to start with the reason why Russia can recruit so many Cubans to fight in their special military operation. Do you see the air quotes? I don't even have the air quotes up. Hold on. You don't need air quotes. Special military operation. Yeah, they're desperate. That's why, because two thousand forty dollars is not enough to lure me out of my house to go to that country and fight for something that I don't agree with at all. No, but. 
these recruits are motivated by the economic hardships and desperate circumstances that are going on in Cuba. Right. So if you're only making $17 a month. Mm-hmm. A month. That's like turn of the century wages. So let's, so, yeah. let's say you make. Turn, I'm sorry, not turn of the century. 1800s. No, 1900s. So, current century was, you know, when our kids were all born, basically. <laughs> gross. Okay, let's get back to this because that's too gross for me. But, I mean, think about 100 times the average monthly salary. If someone, if if you are an American making forty, you know, $42,000 a year or something like that, average U.S. salary, right. and somebody offered you 100 times your average salary... I'd be really tough not to accept that. I I think I, I mean, I don't know. I've never been in that situation, so I can't say. And also, we aren't in the dire financial straits that a lot of these people are in. Yeah. Like, they're desperate. They they need the money for their families and stuff. Hey, and you know what I love about you, Tiana? There's a what lot I of things. Know. I won't get into that until we do our question and answer podcast, no, but... uh. <laughs> You stay consistent. What do you mean? You said you had to think about it and you were like, wanted to say I would never take that money to go fight for, you know, a war like that. But you were like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's very consistent with who you are. You always are going, well, I don't know how I'm going to react in that situation until I get into that situation. So I react and and you're like, don't look back. Let's not get into those recent conversations where both of us have overreacted to things. Oh, it was a parking lot discussion with another person. We can't. Oh, the parking lot discussion with another person. That was fun, though. I I wanted to high five you after, but we didn't. (laughs) We didn't. No. But. Move on. If, hey, if you. We got tons of questions in from people. If you want to send us a question, you can ask us what happened okay, in the well, parking lot. We will talk about that at okay. the end of the podcast. Let's get, they don't want to hear this crap right now. Oh Let's man, we are, we are in it. We're midway. Ooh, and we still have a lot to go. So let's so get back on. Tra- Russia has found uh, opportunities. So not Russia. Sorry, let me, let me rephrase this. See, this is what happens. Tangents. Yeah. So. so Cubans who are in dire straits because right. the economy is bad and with with the amount of sanctions that Cuba has, they're not able to, to succeed within their countries. They're now finding opportunities within the Russian military to escape those dire conditions at home. And enter like life, like the life altering. Yeah. They're going to be they're going to come back so traumatized. Yeah. And. and but also 100 times your average salary is life-changing as well. But it's one payment. It's literally because they signed. It was a signing bonus. So obviously that is inflated compared to what their actual salary right. will be once they're there. Like, because they get that $2,040 one time. And then after that, who knows how they'll be probably just get paid 50 bucks. It's and, and I don't know that they have a term life insurance. Yeah, they don't include... I mean, they... I know Russia claims to have life insurance policies for soldiers, basically, if, you know, if they don't 
they're not able to return from the front lines and everything but they find reasons to not pay of course little loopholes and they're like no they did this no they went over here no they so we're not going to give this to them no they only served this amount of time so yeah and and so the real is it feels like the real question is what is the cuban government stance on this matter right because cuba is an historical ally to russia so you would think they'd be like this is great yeah you'd say oh cool now, the U.S. State Department has expressed concern, suggesting the potential for international scrutiny of Cuba's role in facilitating this recruitment. So, is so, what the government is saying publicly actually what's going on, or are they facilitating the recruitment? Oh, that's a plot twist. A little, little plot twist, but as you know, in every country, it's... You can't believe you can't take everything face value. Yeah, and you have not, to read between the lines, and not yeah. everyone is aligned to one side or the other within the government. Right, that's just not how governments work. No, it is worth noting that Cuba has been experiencing economic difficulties for a while. That was exacerbated by like the pandemic. Years now. Seventy years now. The the moment the U.S. stopped relations. That situation has led to a shortage in basic goods and services that would include food and medicine. The The Cuban government has been trying to address these issues through various measures, but these efforts have not been sufficient to alleviate the economic hardships faced by Cubans. Okay, so what are the chances of Russia making quid pro quo requests, you know, such as establishing a military base on that beautiful island just south of Florida. I mean, I and you're honestly right. Uh, if you look at the pictures of Cuba, it's a beautiful island. Anything within the Caribbean, it's just gorgeous. It is gorgeous. And we aren't even beach people, but the only beaches I like going to are Caribbean beaches and yeah. like Central American beaches, because I'm not going to lie, Honduras was Amazing. Primo. I loved Honduras. If you're retired, you want to go somewhere, go to Honduras. I want to go to St. Thomas. Oh, well, here we go. We're going on. Banana daiquiri. Here we go. Okay. But you you asked a great question. Okay. Because Russia is expanding its military presence in various parts of the world, and then we're not just talking about West Africa, we're talking about Syria, Venezuela. Also, Russia has been seeking to expand its sphere of influence, a military term there sphere of influence sphere in latin america that means strengthening its ties with cuba so it's something to watch closely even like pseudo u.s allies have been turning their support to russia and china Uh, we talked about mexico if the u.s were to invade mexico or joined BRICS, and and they're talking about it it's not happy because recently there have been public calls in the u.s for u.s military to be stationed in Mexico to deal with the cartels. So which way are they going to go? Yeah. Well, Latin America's... Or have us come in here and sweep out your cartels. Actually, we're probably not going to do that. But I mean, A little predictive analysis. It looks as though Mexico is trending towards bricks. Well, Biden is trending towards building the southern border wall. Yes. After all, after all that crap that he talked about it. <laughs> yeah. And... and- so what what did I say to you? You you know, it was like, 
it's very easy when something happens to just call it whatever. You know, oh, that's a bad thing because you're xenophobic or racist or whatever. And then you realize, oh, wait, it wasn't because of that. It's because it's actually a good idea to have legitimate borders around a free country. Yeah. So Latin America is going to play a a very important role if if this global conflict occurs in the near future. The World War III that we do not want to happen. That has been talked about quite frequently in the last week. Yeah, exactly. Many countries have just dropped it. They're like, World War III's coming. Oh, I don't even want to. Not because I'm happy, but. I know. I know. Stresses me out. Oh, where where was I? Oh, Latin America's playing an important role. So where Latin America aligns in a conflict between NATO and the Global South, let's bring that, that's a new terminology coming up, so that the Global South is Russia, China, and the emerging economies. Uh-huh. Wherever that, wherever the Latin America countries align is going to play a huge role. India, though. Oh, yeah, India. Um, what are we, South America? Uh, South America? Africa. South Africa. South Africa's in the global south. Just South Africa? Well, I mean, it depends on how the Western Sahel turns. It's turning towards the global south. Okay, okay. I would say east. So Eastern Africa is, is, take out Somalia, take out, no, just take Somalia out. Okay. And a lot of East Africa is is very pro Western. Oh, okay. And, and so I don't want I don't want to get we could get into we should do an episode that's just who are the alliances coming up in in write that down. Write that down, sir. All right, Van Wilder. Write it down. Write that down. Mark me. Mark me. Oh. <laughs> who was that king? Not king, he wasn't king. Yeah. Bonnie Prince Charlie. Bonnie Prince Charlie. Oh, so Justin, shut up! Get 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 on task, buddy. I'm just saying the McManus family is going to love to hear about that. They are huge Outlander fans. Oh, they are. But yeah, the this is it's it's so dynamic right now, and this is why we continue this podcast because I want to get this information out to people to let you know that things are coming, and so like let let's be prepared. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were done talking. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't mute myself. All right. Well, let's just bring it back to center here. We should probably be discussing the rush of bad news on the Sino-Russian relations recently. This week, Russia's state energy holding company, InterRAO, has imposed yep. restrictions on electricity supplies to China following a dispute over a price hike demand. This is... Wild. This is this is falling apart a lot sooner than I anticipated it would. Mm-hmm. China said they would not pay the higher prices. Good on China. Yeah, good on China. I tried that once with well, our yeah. <laughs> with yeah, energy company. It didn't work out. Pay the higher. Well, for our water bill that one time at least. You know, anyway, I don't even want to get into that. Okay. Well, good because we need to focus and we're having trouble doing that today. Apparently, I think we're just in a really good mood. Yeah. So anyways, we've discussed possible fractures in the NATO alliance. 
But could China and Russia be headed for a breakup after that big flashy show they made? Well, it's still early, but, you know, predictive analysis. I mean, fingers crossed, honestly. Fingers crossed. It looks to me like death by a thousand paper cuts, meaning... When is it not? What? Like, you know, you know, a death by a thousand paper cuts. Just like right? little, little infractions over and over again that eventually push somebody to make a decision one way Nailed or the it. other. Yeah, sometimes yep. I'm smart. <laughs> I do think a lot of this has to do with the way the war in Ukraine's going. Right. So there's no doubt that Putin promised Xi a quick at resolution. Olympics. At the Olympics promised. Yeah, there you go. You remember. Uh, yeah, I remember that talk. I remember the talk and us discussing it on the podcast and I mean we do some good stuff here. I mean seriously, think about it. That's right, babe. Let's make sure everybody knows it. I'm just saying, like I, I know, I'm not making fun of you. I'm sorry if that's I know you're not. My my whole thing is and then I'll get back on topic is I wish uh-huh. people would just I wish leaders would actually listen because we have t- discussed how it's going to happen, how things are going to th- turn, how events are going to happen. And then it happens. And it's like, if you'd have just listened to we just know those people, we just know people. How yeah, people listen, listen react. to all the other people, all the other Intel guys that are bringing this to, to the forefront. But I'm not even saying Intel guys. I'm saying middle aged housewives who yeah. just have just listen, have like no, listen about how people react in thing in situations. Like that is a hundred percent true. I am not laughing about that. You're you're, and it's not like middle aged house. I'm talking middle class housewives. It's okay. I know my my station in life right now. Is well, fine. was it Beyonce who said who runs the world? Middle aged housewives. Yeah run the world it's i mean it's true you want to know who the most informed people are middle-aged housewives yeah i i will say that email me if you think it's different and i will argue that point we will go off the stage and debate okay let's go let's get back on topic (laughs) oh my god so we're charging with us today we're charging just trying to keep your attention we're trying no no no. (laughs) okay this has got going not well (laughs) we are charging ahead to year two of this conflict coming in February. Oh, wow. And Putin, we think, if we believe the intel that's out there, told Xi, it's going to be quick. We'll take we'll take Kiev and uh, we'll be done with this. It'll be easy. They'll just fold. It's that, that did not happen. No, I didn't this, this current dispute reflects the complex relationship of of all countries, energy needs, economic pressures, geopolitical considerations. It shows. Social. Yeah. Social considerations. It shows the evolving dynamics, not only in the global energy sector, but everywhere. Every com- everything that a country dri- is that drives a country. Sorry. Everything that drives a country. Exports, imports, yes, all that stuff is messed with. It's all messed with. And that's why we said everybody's pocketbooks are being hit because of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. And and so it's very much impacts global markets. Well, I need you to focus right now. I'm going to ask you one question and we're not going to deviate from this question. You're going to the question. Is that all for this week? (laughs) 
No, it's no, not yet. Not yet. Can you elaborate on what you're saying about what's going, what you think is going to happen because of China's um, China not wanting to pay the yeah. energy bill? Okay. Oh yeah, definitely. So so China's reluctance to accept those higher rates for for Russian imports may prompt it may prompt China to explore alternative energy sources. They could increase liquefied natural gas imports for for energy generation. This could have implication for Europe's, all of Europe's energy supply dynamics, potentially reducing its dependence on Russian natural natural gas. Because so if Europe is is reducing its dependence on Russian natural gas and then China is doing the same thing, where are they going to get that natural gas? Where is that going to happen? So it's going to hurt Europe. Not that I'm saying China shouldn't try to rely on a different type of liquefied natural gas. They should. But the dispute stems from China facing severe electricity problems due to droughts, also limits on increasing domestic coal production, and Russia is trying to offset the slump in its currency, which has hurt its export revenue. So that's why they're trying to increase the, the prices. China doesn't want to pay those increased prices because it, it has its own economic problems. And so China's refusal to accept Russia's demands for higher uh, electricity price underscores that hard-nosed negotiating approach and the strong bargaining position that China has due to its energy needs. And so it could hurt us in the West. Eventually, at some point, right? Some point, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I mean, we're already hurting. A lot of people are struggling. I mean, I'm not going to say we because we are actually... We are, are okay. okay. Yeah, we're okay. And I don't want to act like we are on the same... We're not going through the same things that a lot of other people in our country are going through. Because we're not. We're very blessed. But Definitely. there are a lot of people hurting right now. Well, anyways, I just want to thank you, Kervin. And I also want to thank our listeners if they were able to maintain a trajectory... In, in this podcast because we kind of went all over the place and if you're you're still here with us and you're still focusing on what we're saying and you're able to follow what we're saying which is a gift because we go all all over the place sometimes thank you for listening to us but is there anything else for this week we've got a ton of questions already in so okay. thank you for that keep sending them out we're going to record that episode real soon so get your right. questions yeah, he'll post something on Instagram or you can also email either one of us and send in your questions. But I would prefer if you send it to him <laughs> because he already has the list of questions. Yep. If you send them to me, I might forget to send them to him and then it won't be on the show. And then you'll be sad and I don't want to hurt your feelings because I love all of you for giving us a chance because I... For one, don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. And the fact that you're still here with us, with me as the person asking the questions, I appreciate that because I don't have, obviously, I don't have the the experience that Kervin has in all these arenas. I just read a lot. That's all. <laughs> uh, but that's why you are the most important person in this podcast. And I don't say hey, that lightly. Hey, hey. No, I'm. I don't say it lightly. 
because you ask the questions that everyone else is thinking about. And so that's very important. But anyways, like I was saying, he's going to put something on Instagram. What is it? Today. We'll We'll do it. Today. No, I mean, you're going to do it today and tomorrow to make sure that people can um, put in questions. We do have questions that we will be getting to. I really appreciate it. We have tons of questions now. Much like yeah, we thanks, do, guys. much like we do, I procrastinate a lot. So it took took a bit, but man, I really appreciate everybody. Yeah. And every question really means a lot to us. We just appreciate the fact that you've been listening to us for two years because a lot of the, there are several people who put in questions last year for our one year anniversary episode. Yep. We're putting in questions this year, which means you're still here listening yep. to us mumble through <laughs> so many topics leap leap to different subjects in between those topics still following us and i don't know we just we just appreciate it we didn't expect this and we will have that conversation too in that episode where we're going to talk about how wonderful you guys are yeah. because we don't i have, will name names a, yeah we have a very tight community of people that consistently engage with us and we appreciate it and there might even be like a little song Ooh, get ready guys it's not gonna be me singing no i think this might be the time that we i mean not right now but on the um, on the anniversary episode we need to talk about this one listener and follower who likes all of our posts but oh. he has some he has some bops that we yes. really enjoy i'm just gonna say that yeah i don't know if he he'll listen to the end of this but if he does we're coming for you if if, <laughs> if you are if you know who you are yeah we don't want to give it up yet because we're gonna reach out before he yep. to make sure it's okay that we i'm can, doing that uh, tonight share the song yeah we want to make sure we can share the song because I love it. You listen to it all the time. And y'all be nice because he's young. But he's like, I love it's his my favorite. It's it's one of my favorite songs. I'm really fighting myself not to like sing it right now. So. No, I know. And and I will I will DM. But, but also, hey, Emery's making songs for people. I should ask them to make a song for us. No, you should not ask that. They have done enough for us. So shut your yeah. mouth hole. Like, I mean, no, I pay for it. Enough. No, I don't. Oh, you're gonna pay them for it? Yeah. Shut up. We're not. <laughs> okay. They are busy. They are busy enough. They don't. They don't need to buy. Like they've done enough for you and the like, family. So right now. I won't even get into that because yeah, you know. just wait. We'll talk about that next time. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> nope, not at all. But we just want to <laughs> thank you guys. Shut up, Kervin. I've got a spiel right now. Okay. Not laughing at me. With you. Jeez. So anyways, we just want to thank all of you for listening to our humble little independent geopolitical podcast. We hope that you found it both informative and engaging. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please let us know. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at Oakland Analytics. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.